eyes. It was a thin face, like the picture of a gaunt mariner on a cigarette packet from long ago, and his hair was a fuzzy white like bog cotton. My reasoning was that he would not break into the house once he saw that I was on guard. In time he got up and sauntered off, waving the knife as if it was a little skittle. The insect-like hands on the black digital clock told me the worst, that it was only five, hours before the shops opened, and that maybe being Easter Sunday, they might not open at all. In them somehow rested my refuge. I imagined cowering there all day, allowing time to pass, and knew now that I was sadly mistaken in coming. I opened one flap of the brown shutter, the better to see my room. There was a bed with a carved headboard, a kitchen chair, a horseshoe on the whitewashed wall, and a photograph of a girl in a leotard sitting on a bed, apprehensive before she stood up. Somewhere in her limbs, and the recesses of her frightened being, she was trying to find the pluck and resolution to get up and dance, to bedazzle an unseen audience. I recalled the rest of the house as I had seen it when I arrived late the previous evening, and had in desperation gone to the hotel to find a room, only to be turned away. There was the big entrance hall, which was a wilderness of rubble and cement, a kitchen with a stone trough for a sink, on the draining board a colony of ants thick and countless as pepper, crawling ceaselessly over an orange rind. In the adjoining room the remains of a fire, as three logs staggered over a pit of cold ashes, like three faltering witches. I threw the few belongings that I had unpacked into one of the canvas bags, turned the horseshoe the way it should be, for luck, dragged the bags down the stone stairs and over the rubble, unlocked the front door, then from the outside locked it again, and put the big warped key in a crevice under a large stone, where Celestina could find it. I was going home. I waited until it got light, and then set out with two of the heavy bags, meaning to bring them a little way, then return for the next two. The wren, the wren, the king of all birds. St. Stephen's Day was caught in the furs. Although he is little his family's great, I pray you, good landlady, give us a treat. I heard the verse before I saw the speaker, and for an instant I thought it must be the madman. A sandy-haired man emerged from a path, doubling over with laughter, his bright hair like a vivid crest in the early light. He was tall and gangly, and obviously amused by the sight of me carrying one bag, putting it down, then running back to get the next one, talking to myself, pacifying myself, abjuring myself. Top of the morning, Joe, he said in a pronounced brogue, and asked if by any chance he could be of some slight assistance. He waved a sailor's cap, doffed it, 
and came towards me, introducing himself as David Anthony Ignatius Don, better known as Darcy. He had hard blue eyes, sharp features, and he wore a navy smock which was spattered with various coloured paints. Between his teeth he held an amber cigarette holder, and was, as he said, in dire need of a weed. As I went to get the next bag, he followed and jauntily hoisted it over his shoulder. Then, realising that there were books in it, he said he hoped I was not a word peddler, who had come to drink deep from the Pierian spring. I can't stay in there. It's a builder's yard, I said, quite disgruntled. Has Salome worsted you? He said with a twinkle, though he saw no reason for...